G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Dave is a seasoned speaker, author of the book Bring Gratitude, and a writer who helps entrepreneurs turn their struggles into stepping stones. He's also a coach and has helped tens of thousands of people become happier and more successful by using the dig to fly method. This episode you're about to listen to was recorded in September 2021, and I'm releasing it almost 12 months later. And the honest reason for that is because I recorded it just before we moved to Spain last year in September 2021, and I honestly completely forgot about it. When we arrived in Spain with a seven-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old that both weren't sleeping great, plus we were finding our feet in our new environment, plus they were sick and we had a visit to the emergency hospital in Spain for our seven-month-old daughter with breathing difficulties plus running my two online programs and coaching my one-on-one clients, I honestly just completely forgot that I had recorded this one and needed to edit it and release it. Complete honesty there. Vulnerably admitting I forgot about it. Carl's such a genuine human soul. With it, He's got a really clear mission and purpose and values and it was awesome to have him on the show. He's also got his own podcast called The Dig to Fly Podcast. And I was honored to be a guest on his show last year, so you can check that out, the Dig to Fly podcast. Now, I wasn't expecting it in this episode, but Carl, in this episode where I'm interviewing him that you're about to listen to, but Carl actually coached me using his empowering tool called the Dig to Fly method. The method is very similar to some of the reframing work that I do with clients, but it was really cool. It was great for me to be in the passenger seat for this one. So, you get to sit through me being coached. It was really powerful, actually, and it brought up some deep stuff for me as a parent, and it highlighted some childhood wounds that I needed to revisit and work on. Now, remember, this was in September 2021, when my son Ollie was two and a half. At the time of this release, he's now closer to three and a half, and my then seven-month-old daughter is now one and a half. So, what we worked on in this coaching session was profound but everything is amplified even more now because the nature of toddlers and having two of them and parenting that, everything is amplified. So, it was great for me to revisit and listen to this episode today before before releasing it to you guys and hearing this coaching session with Carl again and me sitting through that. And if you've listened to the previous episode of my golden check-in, you would have heard me say that I've invested into coaching for to support me with my parenting and my shadow behaviors. To be honest, parenting is one of the toughest fucking gigs I could have ever imagined and I don't take it lightly, hence why I'm super grateful for coaching and experts to support my emotional capacities through the parenting journey. In this episode, we discuss how Carl's father passing away sent him on an impactful trajectory with his coaching work the dig to fly method and how it can support you in your personal and professional life, why us parents can be triggered into frustration and anger and how to shift away from this reactive parenting style. We discuss breathing and taking pauses in the day to ensure you're not experiencing stress and burnout in your work. We talk about how Brené Brown has influenced my relationship and some of her techniques that I use. We talk about the power of gratitude And you know, I'm addicted to gratitude and just much, much more around elements of how we can change our disempowering behaviors and thrive. So, make sure you check out Carl's work at digtofly.com. Okay, now let's hear from the legend himself, Carl Stabe. Carl, your business and podcast is called Dig to Fly. I would love to know, I'm really curious to understand, what's the philosophy and the purpose behind Dig to Fly? This goes back to when I was struggling. Um, my 
father was passing away and uh, he was in the hospital. He was tied to tubes. And one of the things that uh, I had always struggled with was my inner voice. And when he was passing, I, I, I just started kind of spiral, spiraling down. And uh, I, I remember it was this inflection point of, okay, how am I going to live my life from this point forward? And when I asked myself that question, I realized there was a lot of things I needed to improve, but I needed to do it methodically. And so uh, the, one of the things from all my research was gratitude. I started keeping a gratitude journal. I've done in the past, but I never really stuck with it. And so when I was sitting by my father's hospital bed, um, and he was just struggling to to breathe and get up. Um, I remember his muscle mass. He he's a tough German, and he. I mean, I remember him squashing bees with his hands because we had a pool, and they used to nest around the pool. And he was allergic, so his hand would blow up. <laughs> and I'm just like this crazy guy. Just you know, he just had this um, way about him, uh, good and bad. You know, his anger would come out. Um, and, um, and in some ways, uh, I saw that in myself and I saw a lot of the issues that I was dealing with internally and through, you know, just kind of slowing down and pausing and realizing I needed to dig into this stuff and I needed to start by changing how I viewed life. And so that's when I started keeping a gratitude journal. I, I did it for uh, over 420 days. And it started shifting how my brain wired and how I looked at things. And that's when Dig the Fly really started to flourish and started to come into focus because I dug deep because I was like, okay, I don't want to go down the path of my father and, and just letting anger take over. Um, and I wanted to set my own you know, uh, guidelines and I wanted to do it in my own way. And I just started digging deep and started you know, looking and analyzing, getting curious about how I was acting in life and how I wanted to adjust. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry to hear about the the passing of your father. I'm interested to hear that you reflected on his anger and when you decided that there was an inflection point for yourself and you you knew you had to make some changes. Actually, before I ask that question, it's a really um, key thing in people's life, I think, when they experience adversity, whether it's the loss of a loved one or an injury themselves that makes them dig deep. And, you know, I often say that to people, don't wait for the tsunami in your life. And I was talking to someone else about this on the podcast recently, Dr. Brett Hill, a resilience coach. And, you know, he wrote a book about hitting rock bottom. And I asked, do you, do you believe that people have to hit rock bottom? And he said, no, he doesn't. Uh, and that's my belief and philosophy and what I try and instill in people as well. However, when we do hit rock bottom or face adversity like you did, it just reefs us into this explorative space of opportunity like nothing else. So when I heard you say then that one of those things that you realized was that your dad's, you know, the good and bad things that you wanted to to either instill or change and anger came through how and, and the reason i ask this question is because we're all human and we experience that frustration and anger these disempowering emotions they're disempowering if we act from them they're not you know disempowering if we get triggered into them it's quite a normal thing but what is it about anger that um how, how did you have to change anger yourself and how is that still a challenge for you in these days because you're a you know, you're a thriving dad of two. Do you still get triggered into that? Do you see the 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 your father's parenting coming out when that sort of happens with you? Yeah, uh, I I I remember um, it was a few years ago now, but my son um, he gets lost in his head very easily, much like myself at that age. Um, he's 12 now. I think he was like eight when this happened. But I asked him to, you know, hey, go to the bathroom, start your nighttime routine. Uh, and then I went to check on him uh, like I usually do. And, and then he, uh, he was on the floor. Um, I think he was playing with some toys four years ago now. I'm trying to remember. But uh, 
um, he was just kind of, you know, daydreaming. And, and I was like, okay, bud, come on. You know, I kind of stepped up my, my urgency with him a little bit. And then um, he's like, okay. And then he gets back up and then I leave and I come back and he's on the floor again. And I just lost it. I was like, what are you doing? And I raised my voice and I screamed and I remember him crying. And I was like, man, that was not a good way to handle it. And uh, I got down. I said, sorry. I gave him a hug. And uh, it still kind of chokes me up a little bit. But um, it was it was just one of those like refresher moments of like why I'm putting in this hard work to um, to understand and peel away these layers because I think it's really um, important and, and um, you know Renee Brown calls it armor you know we, we wrap this armor around ourselves um, and we're afraid to show people and we um, and it's easier to lash out at others it's easier to um, you know, be a big bully to ourselves. You know, some people keep it internal and they attack themselves. Some people attack others. It comes out the, these, this anger, frustration, um, sadness, depression, it leaks out throughout our whole lives. If we don't face it, if we don't start peeling away these layers and that's why it's so important. And I think if we can, if we can take the moments throughout the day, um, take time and to have a, a system that allows us to look at what's going on inside of ourselves, to notice these triggers, um, then we can say, okay, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this trigger. And sometimes it's just a subtle little trigger. I've noticed uh, over the uh, past few months, um, I'll just tense up my left shoulder and um, as I'm working on something, and it's just this this attachment to the next moment of okay, just get a little further ahead, just get a little further ahead, and uh, and all these little things that I'm noticing and I'm peeling away, and then being okay with them, being grateful that they're there, and saying okay, this is showing me more parts of myself. And then get curious about it. Where is it coming from? What's triggering it? And then you just become a sleuth and you just become a watcher of yourself. And that's when life really opens up because then it's like you realize you're just on this crazy journey of watching yourself, watching other people and, you know, just noticing it all and figuring out how to navigate it. And as when you realize that you can choose what any direction and, and how you want to navigate your life, oh man, the doors open up and you can you can do so many more things and that's when you can fly because you t- you did that time to dig deep and that's when you can fly high. So you you talked about having systems to peel back these layers or like Brene Brown calls them the armor. Is that what your dig to fly method is? I'd be curious to to hear more about the dig to fly method, and and maybe you can take me through it. And we can explore it, and you could maybe coach me, and uh, the listeners can understand a bit more about what you do. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Okay, so um, it's basically uh, five questions that helps you kind of break through that armor and understand what's going on inside yourself. Um, but what I what's really important is. You can dig deep, and, and we've talked. We've, you know, and, and part of the reason I I like that phrase. I've heard so many people use it, so many authors, so many speakers. Um, problem is, is you can keep digging so far, um, and it can touch a nerve and get raw, and you don't, um, and you don't want to go back to digging deep again. Um, and so the idea is, you've got to dig enough where you feel just a little bit uncomfortable and then come out of it again, find that gratitude, find those opportunities, take action again, do those things that matter to you, do those things you love, and then pause again. You just do, it's just the cycle. So uh, do you want to try it? Do you have uh, something that's weighing on you right now that we could walk through? 
nothing that's really weighing on me. I'm sure if, um, is that how it works? Do you ask me, is that one of the questions? Yes. What's, what's So the idea to, to start, we have to have something that's weighing on you, something that's bouncing around your brain, something you're really focused on thinking about. Um, when you're playing with your kids, you know, do you go back to this thing? Um, does it something that triggers you, that angers you? Um, a lot of times it's just something that the idea here is if we dig deep and we expose it, um, it's what I call a little gem, right? You bring out this little piece of your armor and you expose it to the light and it helps disintegrate it and helps reduce the amount of armor that you have. And what it does is it brings you more energy because what you're doing is if your brain is going to this thing and they, we all do this, you know, me included, if your brain is worried about this business part, this part of your business, um, worried about a coworker, worried about a relationship and you, your brain keeps going, it's taking up bandwidth. It's taking up energy. Your brain uses more energy than any other organ in your body. I think it uses 20% of your calories, this little mass in your head. And so that if you allow it to just get distracted on, on these things and not allow you to focus on really matters to you, then you're losing out on that energy to put things in the things that you're truly passionate about. Cool. As you were explaining all of that, I just kind of breathed into it and As I do that a little bit more, I know I it it comes to me. You got it. I got it. What is it? It's actually crazy. It's I just realized it's what we were talking about before. It's the reflection of me. It's the the frustration slash anger that comes out in me with my gorgeous two and a half year old boy. Yes. Okay. How important is this to you on a scale of one to 10? This is the first question. Uh, when you say how important is it, what do you mean? Is, is, how important is the relationship or how is important is it to not be frustrated and angry? How important is it to not be frustrated? So you, yeah, you feel this trigger and you see a vision of what you want to be. Mm. So how important is to you to, to be this thing that's going to be a little less frustrated and more kind and compassionate? Oh, it's a nine out of 10. The importance of me to be the better version of myself to around my son, to not be the frustrated slash angry reactive father. It's a, it's a nine out of 10. Perfect. Okay. So why is this so important to you? This is question two. When my son was born, I sunk into a deep meditation to operate from my heart and chose words to father from. And I anchor into that daily. And it was to be present and involved. And what that means for me is presence is not just being around him, but it's being fully present. It's the listening, it's the interacting, it's the it's the seeing his soul, it's that presence. Being involved is the um, changing his nappies, taking him to daycare, do, doing his meal preps, um, putting him to bed. It's the everything. It's the everything that is included. There's no mother role and father role in my mind of, of parenting. So, sorry, what was the question part of that again? So why is this important to you? So the why it's important to me is because it's not important because I want to perfect my parenting with him. It's important to me because I want to influence him in a way, in a I want to role model the way. I am role modeling the way. I am leading the way. I know I am influencing mm -hmm. him. So it's important to me that I influence him with empowering emotional experiences and, and, and empowering 
light and I see frustration and, and anger as disempowering. Mm. Good. Okay. What is your expectations of yourself and then the situation? First, Ex- yourself. The expectations of myself are the expectations of myself are to to process the situation better and respond respond from a place of love empathy connection mm-hmm. as opposed to react from stress and frustration yes good good okay now we've dug deep and we start to understand our why now expectations of yourself now what's the expectations of the situation the expectation of the situation is that it's not even an expectation for things to be resolved. I guess the expectation is the expectation is not to clash when I'm reactive or clash. The expectation is for me to be that influence and for for my son to learn and and he's going to learn whether I'm frustrated and angry or whether I'm kind and connected. Mm. I love that. Good. Okay. So now we've dug in. Now we have to bring ourselves out. We can't go too deep, right? Because then we can spiral down too far. So what are you grateful for about the situation? I'm grateful for my awareness. So that I don't continue this, and you know, it's not, it's, it's definitely a rarity out of my responses with my son, but it's enough for me to not want it. Um, I'm so I'm super grateful for my awareness. I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful that I've got him in my life, and I actually have the opportunities to help him learn, not necessarily teach him, but help him learn the ways of the world from from wisdom. Um, through a non-reactive, non-angry, re- yeah, non-angry, non-frustrated, reactive way. Good, good. Okay, now we kind of settled. The, the gratitude helps us release those dopamine and serotonin. So the idea with the being grateful for the present helps us relax us. And then the Gratitude can also be that dopamine, that kick to find opportunity. So we we ground and then we say, okay, what can we do to really make ourselves or encourage ourselves to be a little bit better to practice? Because the idea is we have a goal. Now, one of the things I think from James Clear, Atomic Habits, great book, but he talks yeah. about yeah, he talks about the systems that we have. What's the systems that's going to help remind you to, if you do feel triggered, if you do, you know, if you want to be this more loving and caring. And, you know, I, I do want to caution too, is it's okay to be angry. And I think it's okay to show anger, but not in a in it, like uh, from what you're describing in a way that maybe that scares them or that's toxic to you, right? That balance of like, hey, like, you know, I can, you know, some, I think sometimes we can just almost, uh, you know, kind of go too far one way or the other. And we've got to come back to that center of who we are. So what opportunities internally first, like the mindset shift, and then what actions can you take? And then what we want to do is create a system around it to help remind you. So uh, opportunities internally first. The opportunity is to breathe. I know that if I take my time, slow down my breathing, I will change because I know where frustration and anger is operating from my brain. This is the the neuroscience that I teach around from my amygdala. Mm -hmm. So I know that I'm in my emotionally reactive space there. And it's irrational, it's illogical. So, of course, I'm going to be continuously reactive from that space. So, I know um, that to breathe, to slow down my breathing and take my time is that. 
to the internal aspect of that. That's a physiological change. Uh, and a mindset aspect is, you know, I'm so aware of it in those moments and I even know why I get that way. It's, oh, sorry, when. It's when I'm tired. And that's not an excuse. That's just the absolute fact. And, you know, I, I coach on sleeping, but we're in the baby bubble. You know, we've got a seven-month-old baby who's only just started sleeping. So, I've been tired quite a lot in the last sort of six or seven months. And with my son stepping into terrible twos, I've noticed that how much more triggered I am when I'm tired. And um, that's just reality of being a human being. So, that's why we've got to really be mindful of, okay, when we are tired, these things that you're asking me are even more important and powerful. So, um, yeah, the internal is the breathing. And then with the mindset, I've got to really think about that one because two things come to mind. One is, you know, I don't want to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two well, what's is- the, what, what do you want to be though, right? How, because then you have that North Star that you're shooting towards. Oh, I am. And I think about I am. So not what I want to be, but I am love. I am connection. I am yes. empowered mm-hmm. influence. I am. If I could just leave it at love because if I just show up as love and I operate from love, all my son feels is love. And then that's going to, you know, dampen his fire. He's the, he's operating from his amygdala, which is irrational and illogical, but it's only get fueled more. You would know this with kids, but as soon as I'm frustrated and angry, he raises his energy. So it's like fueling the fire, which as parents, I know that we can, um, we can do that. And then we think, you know, we can get more frustrated and angry. So, you know, the, the uh, what's it called? The antidote to that is obviously love. It doesn't mean that he's going to stop being a little terrible two-year-old in that moment. <laughs> yeah. But it means that I'll be leading from that influential space that I want. It means that he will learn that we can still be that way when um, environments or people around us are misbehaving or, um, you know, nudging us. So, the, it's not what I want to be. It's who I am at my core because that that is who I am. I am love. I am connection. I am optimism. I am belief. I am passion. Um, but when I'm tired in those moments, I've been triggered into that. So I'm not frustration. I'm not anger. I'm not reactive. That's just the, the, what I'm, the actions that I'm taking in that moment. Yes. Okay. So now how can we create a system around it to help you be less tired, but also notice when this is starting to come in and to breathe because it's going to help you kind of recharge. Yeah. So that would be, and I know this really well because I've used it in many different areas of my life with clients that I coach, but uh, so what I could do now is train my mind to know that when Ollie, my beautiful little two and a half year old is stepping into the terrible twos in those moments, that's an opportunity for me to breathe. So when I see that, it's an opportunity for me to breathe rather than when I'm around that, it's an opportunity for me to parent and to discipline. Not that I think in that way, but that's obviously what's coming through in those moments. So it's an opportunity to breathe. And I know that works because when I work with people with high levels of anxiety, I retrain their brain to because high levels of anxiety triggers them into panicking, which triggers them into shallow chest breathing and worrying even more. So when they think when they're anxious, it's an opportunity to shallow chest breathe and worry even more. So we retrain their brain to say, well, actually, when you get anxiety, it's just an opportunity to breathe. That's that's mm-hmm. every time you're anxious, it's your opportunity to breathe. And we train their brain that anxiety means breathe. Anxiety means breathe. And so that's the way we're retraining the brain. So I'm coaching myself as you're coaching me through this. So the the trigger is now an opportunity for me to breathe. Yes. Now, how can you remind yourself throughout the day? And it could be something as simple as creating a calendar invite um, that pops up on your phone. It could be, I put little stickies. Um, I've been trying to do, Uh, you talk about like helping other people. I've been helping people coach themselves and coach others. So 
I've been trying to do a better job of coaching myself. So I put little mantras up on my mirror as I'm brushing my teeth. And one of them is like, you got this, you know, like, Mm. hey, get curious. And so what could you do? I'm not saying you use any of these, but the idea is how can you, because the idea, we need to retrain our brain. It's so easy to go back to how we always done it if we don't have something that's going to help us remember when this trigger happens. Yeah, as you say that, it is a clear indicator for me that I've got to go back and do my inner child work around this. And this is the work that I do with my clients. And I just, uh, it's been something that's coming up for me now. I'm actually voicing it for the first time where it's because I was parented in that way in, in, yes. um, with a lot of frustration and anger. And, you know, I was a shit of a kid. I know I was. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I have the best relationship with my parents. They're beautiful. Never, they were never abusive at all. There was never abuse that came with the anger and frustration. It was um, thrown around a lot in um in reactive type ways to to me being a very energetic shit of a kid not listening so yeah the more i think about that the more i have to go back and rewire my inner child experience and i know that it comes from those earlier priming years so there's a neural connection there that i will um i'll go back and work on now that it's become very very obvious to me that that's what needs to happen and from that so to go in with the work that you do i will the reminders for me will be I'm going to set multiple reminders on my phone because that's what I do. I've got different ones that go off for different things and they will be, uh, I haven't got the wording just off the top of my head. It'll be something like, it'll be a reminder. It'll be remember. When you feel frustrated, it's your opportunity to breathe. Remember when Ollie triggers you. No, he doesn't trigger me. I choose to be triggered. When I am triggered by Ollie, It's an opportunity to breathe because it's just, I know that the language we feed our mind, we, we create our, um, you know, our mantras and everything and our, from subconscious level. So that will be the way that I will, my subconscious belief will become, that is just an opportunity to breathe. But at the moment, because I haven't done the inner child work, I'm just letting that's when I'm triggered, it's the inner child that comes out within me. So it's that projection of the way that I was parented with anger and frustration in those moments. Yes. I love it. How do you feel now? I feel light, to be honest. It's um, I was not expecting this to, to happen in this episode when I asked you to, to put me through this. I I'd read your method quite a while ago and I forgot what the questions even were, so this is great. But in terms of your question, I feel light and I feel... I feel more open, which means to me that like it's it's expansive as opposed to constrictive. So it's just shine some light on an area for me to work on, which is what I'm all about, consistently improving. Yeah. So real quick, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read it back to you to kind of kind of have you hear it. Cause this is uh, when I from from the clients I've worked with, like hearing it back is just also just gives you another perspective. So Right now, dealing with your your boy, Ollie, he's two and a half years old, so he's in those rough twos right now. Um, and it's important that you, you don't react out of frustration and anger. And then, um, how important is, 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 is this to you to change this behavior to nine out of 10? And why? You want to be present and involved. You want to influence him in a positive way. And it sounds like not the way that you were parented, right? And I think, yeah, just a side note is I've dealt with the same thing and it's breaking these patterns that can really make a difference in our society. You know, like if we break the pattern of this anger and frustration that our parents did to us and we can then start to all help boats rise together emotionally, supportive, all that stuff. Okay. Um, you want to help lead the way. And I love how you phrase that lead the way because uh, as parents, we're leaders, you know, like we, we show them how we want them to behave by the way we behave. If we say, don't get on your device and we're on our devices all the time, we're not modeling that behavior. Um, your expectations um, is, you know, you process it, processing the situation better. 
you want to create a better connection, a loving connection, and be less reactive. Uh, so you're seeing how um, you know the expectations that we have. Um, it, this is what teaches us, right? We we want to be different, and these are good things. And I think a lot of times people think of expectations as bad, but they're good too. It shows us where we want to go. Um, and uh, you don't want to clash with them. You want your son to learn. And so uh, those expectations have shown you like, okay, what's where am I right now? And then this is where we start to figure out what's possible. And, you, and we go through gratitude to help ground us, um, kind of bring us out to surface level again. Uh, the awareness that you have around this. Um, you got them uh, in your life and you're just so lucky to have them um, and you want to help them learn. And so that's beautiful, right? Like you can feel the love there. And so then the, the last question is opportunities. And right away you went to breathe. And it's it's so funny. We We teach others what we need to learn ourselves. And this is an ongoing process, right? Absolutely. Because so, you are my podcast, you did breathing and, uh, and somebody uh, wrote a note saying, I love the breathing uh, the, uh, practice that we did on my podcast. And as soon as you went back to that, I was like, yes, I could feel it right away. That was such a good thing that you thought of. Um, you do it when you're tired. And so this is important too, is you noticing it because what you want to do is you want to bring the love and uh, to have a system around it. You have to, when you feel triggered, you want to go to your breath instead of going to being reactive because that pause can help you be less reactive. It can kind of cause your, it can calm your whole nervous system down. Um, And then I love the idea of your inner child work because you're right. We, we repeat the pattern that we've been taught the stories that we've been telling ourselves. And I think you having reminders on your phone um, and then you hit uh, remember when I feel frustrated, um, all these remembers that you can bring is going to help bring those neural connections closer together and be more likely that you will breathe when you are feeling triggered. Cool. That's it. That's the whole process. That's uh that's amazing. Thank you for taking me through that. And thank you for the the recap there. It's it's awesome. So I'm sure that people listening could resonate in in different ways with that. And just from my experience, again, as you read back through that, you know, what you said there is absolute true, where we always teach what we need to be reminded of ourselves. And, you know, there's a great saying that we usually don't need to learn as much as as what we need to be reminded. So, meaning we need to be reminded more than we actually need to learn. So, thank you for reminding me through these processes because it's not that I forget to breathe because I'm addicted to my coherence breathing and I'll do it multiple times every day and at different times of different reasons. But what I haven't done is connected it to that situation in itself. So, that's a really simple reminder for me with the affirmations leading into that and the reminder for me to go and do my Um, inner child work to ensure that I'm not uh, still wired in that way. (laughs) I love that. Good job. Good job. Thank you for that. So, I just had to remember that I'm the host of this podcast now. I felt really (laughs) uh, in the the passenger seat there. So, thank you. You did your job well there as a coach. How you, we did an example there in terms of, um, you know, as a family situation and parenting and you and I talked about that at the beginning as well. But how can this help for someone who's listening who a lot of their stress might be around or they might be triggered a lot in in their business, for example? I have a lot of business owners or business leaders that listen to this podcast and I work with. Is this something that you utilize with people uh, in, in those positions as leading business or, uh, sorry, in, a leader in a company or owning their own company? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's funny that you asked that because I think to build that awareness, um, you know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk uh, is coming out with a new book that's all around, uh, you know, awareness. Um, and I think the more aware we can be of who we are, um, what triggers us, what what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, um, the more effective leader we can be. And I think 
even in parenting, you know, like, um, you know, like if you notice these triggers, um, you're not going to be reactive. You're going to be, you know, much more grounded and come from a place of of curiosity and compassion. Um, Because same thing, you know, talk about a a two and a half year old, you know, talk about a 29 year old who isn't doing um, something the way you expected. Um, and you're paying them a lot of money to do that thing. Uh, it's easy to get reactive. Uh, and so what I'd like to do, uh, I, or I think most people leaders should do is create a leadership manual. Look at those things. Start that process of looking at your strengths. I and mean, a lot of people do strengths finder, um, and that's important. Um, look at those strengths. How can you utilize them? What are your weaknesses and how do you navigate around your weaknesses? I think that's what so many leaders have been afraid to do. That it, this armor of like, I know what's best. I, you know, uh, I'll help you figure these things out. Um, I, I, I know how to take care of all these things. Uh, it's, a, it's a natural uh, leader pitfall that we often fall in. Um, but when we can, throw off our armor for um, a little bit and just practice of showing people our weaknesses, showing people our Achilles heel. Then we can say, okay, this is where I'm, this is where I fall a little flat. And if you see this, call me out on it. Tell Mm. me about it. Show it, hold up that mirror for me. This is so hard to do. And I understand why leaders are, are resistant to this, but when they do, they get so much better work uh, out of themselves, out of their employees. And their employees stay longer. They stay. Most people, seventy percent of people, leave a job because of their boss or manager sucks. Like they're just hmm. not aware enough. So if you can be that manager that is more aware, that is more open to these things and these conversations, you're going to be the one everybody wants to work for. You're going to be the ones with the highest functioning teams and that is it's just so powerful in business and it's it's so few people do it that you know now is the time to to ride this before everybody else gets on the track <laughs> yeah absolutely i think as i hear that if people are thinking no that won't work that wouldn't work because the people around me would just blame me and shame me and guilt me then there's a leadership glitch in itself because if if you're not going to implement something like that because the people around you will blame you or shame you or just say, there, you see, you do that, then that's an area that just shines a light on, oh, that's an area we need to resolve as well because there's no space for blaming, shaming, and guilting when people know that the environment that is provided to them is there for them to show up as their best selves. And I love what you were sharing there because that's a lot of the work that I do with business leaders and mostly business owners that have staff members or apprentices working for them is you know, let's get you sorted first. Like let's let's sort out your blueprint. What is your blueprint that you anchor into every day and that you come back to when things, when shit hits the fan to know that you're operating at your best? Like what's your to-be list, not your to-do list? What's your um, personal philosophy and what does that actually mean? And what do you do? What's your feel freaking awesome list? The things, the action steps that you take to ensure that you're staying in a lot, sorry, not staying, but consistently choosing Every day, thoughts, feelings, and actions that are in alignment with that best version of yourself. And then how does that infiltrate? What's the environment you're providing? How are you allowing your staff members to do the same thing, to show up as their best selves? And if you know, if they are projecting that blame, shame, and guilt, and you're creating space for that and you're allowing that, then you know, that's the leadership glitch in itself. It's not that person's fault. It's your allowing of that. So this system and process that you're talking about could allow them to uncover that to uh, in a supportive kind of way, not in a I see you're a blamer and a shamer and a um, you know throwing your your disempowering um, behaviors around. Let's let's clean this shit up, which might be what they want to say. But instead, you know, I'm, we're here to create the best environment that we can to allow you to show up as the best person as you as you can, so that you enjoy what you're doing and you excel in your career. So here's a process that we can go through together to bring us up to speed and we're on the same page and, you know, it could be the dig to fly method. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what I, 
when I work with uh, people, it's it's basically like building that a, a self awareness, building that awareness of who you're working with, and then having a regular, consistent process um, and meeting with them once a month. And then that's when I say, hey, do the dig the fly method once a month with them for thirty minutes, and it gets faster and faster the more you do it because you are able to dig deep quicker and be able to find those opportunities. It doesn't, it doesn't take as, as long because you, you're like, oh yeah, I got this. Um, and then when you start to see those patterns and that's when you can start to calibrate together because when you start to see how both of you work, then you can say, oh, okay, I need to be able to adjust here. You need to be able to adjust here. And this is how we can really get this thing flying. Yeah, I love it. That's brilliant. So that's and another thing that I was just thinking of, you mentioned Brene Brown there before, when it goes back to relationships is a good method that my wife and I have incorporated from Brene Brown's practices is uh, like if we'll tell what percentages we're at at different times of the day and especially through these baby bubble mm-hmm. periods where my wife will be like, babe, I'm at 10%. Yeah. I, I've, that's all I've got. And I'm like, sweet, I'm at 90%. I've got this. So, you know, that allows me to take over or sometimes she might come in and she's just like, I'm, you know, I'm only at 40%. I can support a little bit, but I really need your help here. Cool. Done. Like I'll finish off this work tomorrow. I'm, I'm here for you, babe. I'm at, I'm at full, I'm at hundred percent. I'll buzz around. I'll do everything. <laughs> so, or, and sometimes it's the other way around where if I've had the, the sleep impact and, you know, a bit of stress and things like that, I might be at a lower capacity. And I'll just share that with her, even if I know that she's a lower capacity. Because sometimes, especially when my son was in the first four months, we would just look at each other and say, she'd say, I'm at 20%. I'd say, I'm at 20% too. We're like, oh, shit. We're like, you know what? This is going to be a rough quarter of the day. <laughs> but, but we're here for each other at 20%. <laughs> it's that yeah, crystal clear communication. Would, yeah, and you can adjust together. You can calibrate. Okay. Like, uh, I think uh, I know that. Um, conversation. I think it was the um, Tim Ferriss interview where she talked about that. And, uh, and yeah, you can say, okay, we're doing takeout. Well, guess what? You know, instead of like, you know, playing a game with the kid, we're going to put on a movie like, yeah, he's two and a half and probably movies, not the best choice, but it's also not a good choice to act out of anger or yeah. be so, fr- so you find those, then you can just find those little wiggle things that you can say, okay, let's just do this. This is not going to be a regular habit. Exactly. We need yeah. This right now. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really good highlight right there. So we've gone through the, the dig to fly. We know the philosophy behind it and you've, you've taken me through it. Um, is there anything else that sort of jumps out with the work that you do that you would love to, to share with the listeners that you find is really important, kind of the main things that come up for people or, or challenges that might rise from people that they're not even aware of until they start doing these methods? Yeah. Uh, man, that's a good question. There's so many. Um, I think one of the things too, that's important is to pause as uh, throughout the day. If you can find um, regular times that you pause and, you know, what happens a lot is before we have coffee, um, that's a natural uh, pause um, before lunch, before dinner. Um, but even breaking it up throughout the day, maybe uh, mid morning, mid afternoon, and checking in with yourself. You know, you talk about checking in with your wife, which is really powerful. But do we do that for ourselves? And, you know, if I'm honest to myself, I don't do it enough. Um, and I'm learning and I'm, I'm learning to make it a consistent practice. And so, uh, you know, after uh, my meditation, um, I do a meditation in the morning and uh, about two hours after that, I'll do a check-in and I'll just feel what's going on. And it's just, it's just like one or two minutes. Um, and I, I have a note like right on my, next to my laptop. Um, and I just pause and I just kind of soak in because this life goes by so fast and, you know, within a blink of an eye, your kids are going to be grown up. You're going to have gray hairs sprouting all over the place. We need to make time to pause and just 
soak in. And sometimes everybody's different. And some people like to maybe think about things they're grateful for. Some people just like to slow down, not listen to music, not distract yourself by looking at Facebook or whatever sports that you're interested in or the news, but just to feel this moment for a minute. It's really powerful and it helps us calibrate. It helps us kind of, kind of, you know, not a, not a meditation, not a close your eyes and breathe, but just kind of feel the present moment. Cause I think that's going to help you make better choices throughout the day. Okay. So you just answered, I was about to play devil's advocate there and say, but what about if I'm really busy and I've got a lot to do? Why would I just pause? I've just got to get stuff done. Like I don't even have time to play with the kids in the afternoon because I've just got so much to do and then I get home and then there's just so much more to do. How can I make time yeah. to pause? Yeah, because like, uh, my my feeling is if you if you don't, you end up stressing out, stressing your body out, stressing yourself out, being more reactive towards your family members, towards your employees, uh, towards your team members. And uh, you're building these relationships uh, with them. You're building this relationship with yourself. And if you don't take that time, you're going to be reactive and you're going to a lot. And to be honest, stress is a killer. Stress reduces our lifespan, um, you know, causes cancer. If we don't take these moments to pause, we're going to, time's going to fly by and we're like, holy shit, I'm 65 already. And like, you know, what have I done? And, you know, that's these, these moments to pause allows us to change our, our rudder of our giant ship of life by just a half of degree. And if we keep doing that throughout the day, we're heading in the right direction instead of, you know, being off in some other area that we have no idea how we ended up in. Yeah. Um, thank you for clarifying exactly what i put out in this podcast and with my clients all the time with that message it's exactly that and you said it just before i asked the question is you will make better decisions Mm -hmm. when people are too busy to take the time to pause and to breathe and adjust their physiology and drop into a different headspace um and and brainwave state what they're asking what they're saying is i'm i'm allowing myself to move towards stress burnout sickness and disease there's there's an absolute direct correlation between high levels of stress and certain diseases and sicknesses and illnesses and you know you talk about immune deficiency at the moment and there's a direct correlation so like what you said there too and you know i like to say this often because i really hope this sinks in with people is when we ask why am i doing what i'm doing is it to be highly stressed is it to take me away from quality time with my family is it to feel lethargic is it to be reactive is it to feel unhealthy is it to rely on medication or coffee all of these kind of things if it's not if that's not why you're doing the business or your career then you're the one that's in control of making that slight change like you said with that boat and that rudder and it just has to be one small thing. Nail that. And then the next small thing, you mentioned the Atomic Habits book earlier, and it's exactly that, just changing that. So, so that's really good um, advice there that you've, you've picked up from, from working a lot with people there as well. So one other little slight tangent, you wrote a book called 92 Things to Do Besides Suicide. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, this is... Wow, 20 years ago now, man, I'm getting to be an old man. I'm 45 now. Uh, when I was 25, um, it was a, you know, it, it's funny. Like we talk about, you know, these small little changes of this rudder. Um, these one, this is one of those things where I realized that um, I'm a creator designer at heart. I love designing systems. I love uh, designing books and writing books um, and things that will help people. Um, I've never uh, published that book, uh, but it was one of the best projects I've ever done because I suffered through depression in my 20s. Um, I I had a really mean inner bully. Um, He's become much kinder in my older age to me. but uh, it was a way for me to 
focus on helping myself as well as helping others. We all have uh, negative thoughts. We all, you know, at times uh, beat ourselves up. Uh, but if we do it too much, um, we can get suicidal. And, you know, I've had thoughts of suicide in my 20s. And uh, instead of, you know, feeding into them, I got help. I saw a therapist. Um, you know, I worked on myself. I read hundreds of books, self-help philosophy. Uh, and then I wanted to take action. And so I started creating a book. I would do stupid stuff like put vas uh, puts, um, Vaseline on uh, little cotton balls and I stuck them to my face. And then I would take a picture um, and I can send it to you if you want, if you want to see me from 20 years ago For doing sure. this crazy stuff. <clears throat> uh, and then I write a caption of like how I was feeling, you know, uh, the negative, the positive, and uh, how I was processing it and how I was using this to ground myself instead of worrying about how shitty my life was, I was focused on um, just enjoying the moment of that photo and trying to see if I could help other people process their emotions as well. And so, you know, I did a shampoo, like a soap, I just poured it all over a table and I created shampoo art. Um, you know, just weird stuff that, you know, I would take pictures, I would set it up, it would take me sometimes an hour to break it up. Uh, you know, I, I stacked books uh, uh, all the way to my ceiling just to see if I could do it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was just all these random things. And I was, but it, it, what I tried to do is just everyday things, because I think that's the beauty of life. We can be so joyful in a small little moment that's when we know like oh wow all this work that i've done on myself is really coming alive inside of me um and you know that's what that book was all about it was just me helping me process my negative you know feelings and you know trying to focus it in a positive way ah uh, that's really cool it makes a lot of sense too because you know, when you're in those deep, dark places, it can just take small things like that to, like your dig to fly method, you were starting to to lay the foundations to to fly out of there. So, very interesting. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. You've also written a book called Bring Gratitude. I'm, I'm addicted to gratitude, so I'll have to uh, check that out. And it's obviously a big part of your work. Just give us a little brief about the Bring Gratitude book. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, so when my father was passing, um, I started uh, just writing gratitude for him um, just to help me, you know, I because a lot of negative feelings of, of him and, and how angry he was as a father growing up, um, I wanted to be grateful for what he did bring, what he did teach me, and kind of help myself find that different perspective instead of getting angry at the situation. It was just help ground me, help me feel um, connected to him, connected to the people around me, myself. And so I turned those gratitude entries into little stories. And then I was like, this could be a book. And I started weaving them together. And then I, there's 109 of them. Um, and it's basically the arc of, you know, me processing my father's passing as he's passing through um, how I was able to kind of work through it and then kind of come out uh, a better person um, in the in the year or so afterwards. Beautiful. It's like that collateral beauty, that Will Smith movie when there's the literally the collateral beauty that comes from uh, some heart-wrenching and devastating times in our life. So it's it's beautiful to see that all come together for you. And thanks again for sharing that. But before we wrap up, where can all the listeners find you online? Where's the best place? Are you active on social media? Or is it website, YouTube? Yeah. Uh, digtofly.com is my hub. Um, yeah. Uh, not very active on Instagram. Uh, I've got a little Facebook uh, community group, uh, Dig the Fly. Um, and right now, uh, I'm challenging myself to do uh, leadership manuals for people. I'm going to be doing uh, 50 over the next six months. 
So if anybody out there wants a leadership manual, um, it takes about a half hour. It usually takes about an hour, but uh, I try to shorten it to half hour just to kind of give them the, the light version of it. And, uh, and then they have a little leadership manual they can use at work or in their family. Um, and it's a way for me to kind of give back um, and build connections. So if anybody's interested, that's out there. What, what is the leadership menu? What does that entail? I interview them. Um, I uh, kind of, di- we dive deeper. Uh, we don't have a lot of time in a half hour, but I dive deeper into um, their responses and then I create a little one pager that is a leadership manual that they can uh, share with their coworkers. They could share with their employees and uh, it helps them get uh, more awareness, but also start that conversation um, with their employees or uh, the people in their lives. So, cause I think that's the thing. Like, how do you start these conversations? And when you have a talking point, you can say, Hey, Here's my strengths. Here's my weaknesses. You know, here's uh, my values. Let's let's talk through these things, and then it makes those conversations uh, more open. And then you can say, "Hey, how about you? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses?" And then you can you can work on those together. Yeah, cool. That makes a lot of sense. And they can find that at digtofly.com. Yeah, they can just message me there. Awesome. We'll link all that up in the show notes. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners before we wrap up or anything that you would like to ask me? Um, I'm One thing I'm curious is uh, with your breathing technique, I know we, um, I think, was it the box technique? I, I'm trying to remember. Was it four breaths in and hold we, for four? No, I think on your podcast, we probably did the coherence breathing. So the in for four, out for four, in for four, in for out four, for four. Out. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And uh, do you, how often do you do that throughout the day? I do it multiple times, like dozens of times throughout the day. So whilst I was listening to you talking, I was doing it and it pops into my head a little bit. And then I know that it's automatic and I will focus on it. I'll do it whilst I'm working. Sometimes I do it while I'm running because it's for different reasons, but uh, you can do it while you're walking or just do it as often as I can, because when you can get an even rhythmic pattern, there's the physiological changes in terms of what it does for oxygenation into the body, which is the most empowering nutrient that we thrive on as human beings and we need more of it. The uh, So, the more of that throughout the body, the ability to um, drop out of our busy minds and connect with our heart. As you know, the heart sends way more signals to the brain than what the brain does to the heart. It's got 40,000 neurons. The more that we can operate from there, the less frustrated and reactive I will be. Uh, so the, the benefits of it are just endless. When you choose coherence breathing, you are choosing health, well-being, you're choosing consciousness, you are choosing the best version of yourself. So I train myself to do it as often as I can. I will also do pauses. So when you talked about taking breaks regularly throughout the day, I'm a, I'm a master at that. I will make <laughs> sure that I, I've got a Shakti mat, so the spike mat. I've got a, a red light. I'll hold it up for you. I know the listeners can't see this, but it's a portable infrared sauna. So I can put that behind me on this chair. I put it sideways on the floor. I lay on the Shakti mat. I turn my infrared sauna on and I do coherence breathing. So I am I do it so often throughout the day. There's other kinds of breathing that I do with breath holds as well that I do every morning in the cold shower, which is my next level breathing. And that's for different reasons with breath holds. Yeah, it has a whole... Uh, different physiology benefit as well. So that's that's what I choose to do in the mornings, um, in the cold showers, but I'm doing the coherence breathing as often as I can throughout the day. Oh, that's great. I need to do more of that. I need to not just pause, but, you know, you're right, incorporate the breath in there as well. And I, I love that in for four, out for four. I got to start that. And four is the minimum. Six is the optimal. Uh, and sometimes oh, okay. if I'm in an ice bath, I will if I'll do different types of breathing, but sometimes I say, okay, I'm going to get to as long as I can. So it might be 10, 12, or 15 seconds in two degrees water where it's that long in and that long out because my head wants to say, just go crazy and, you know, um, just tell me all these bullshit stories. It's so cold. Get out. It's so cold. Get out. 
Uh, and, you know, there's this external environment of the cold water, which is analogous to the pressures of business, the pressures of a pandemic, the pressures of my two and a half year old, whatever it might be. So the external pressure is there, but internally I am so in control and I am so calm and I am so present. Like what you said before, from that space, I can make better choices. So it's, it becomes a really good tool to, to be able to use in different situations for, for that reason as well. And yes, you do need to do it more often. I'm going to email you the uh, or text you the the recordings I've got. I've got three minute recordings that I use with my clients, so it'll you can just plug it in, and I'll be talking you through it, just breathing you in, into it. Cool. I'll, I'll support great. you with that. Carl, you're a legend. You. you are a prime example of a genuine man who is inspiring. Uh, influential and inspirational keep shining your dig to fly and abundant light to the world my man thank you great job today i love the questions there you go what a humble connected legend i trust you got some value from this one from carl's personal stories and also from him coaching me make sure you check him out online at digtofly.com and listen to his podcast, The Dig to Fly Podcast. And be sure to let him know that you heard this episode if you connect with him anywhere online. And if you gain value from this episode, please share it with someone else who you believe will gain value from it. I just want your support to help me spread these awesome podcasts, these awesome messages to help create more of an impact. And also, I'd be super grateful if you could jump onto iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to the show, and give it a five-star rating and a short review so that we can keep bringing inspirational, influential, and impactful guests into your ear holes. Keep thriving, legends, and as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.